Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome uh, to the Lovability Show. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I am here in studio today with a special guest. I'm super excited. She uh, has decided to finally join me. I've been begging her for months. Uh, her name is Shannon Shell. Uh, welcome, Shannon, to Lovability. Uh, you look gorgeous. Uh, and uh, Shannon lost her husband uh, 10 months ago uh, to alcoholism. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, I, 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 I don't know we'd ever met. We were friends on Facebook, and um, I saw her post starting after when Mike passed, and I started reading her post. I would bawl my eyes out, like literally bawl my eyes out every time I read one of her posts, the way she expressed herself. And I know that's, that's what she's going to do is start off by reading one of her posts to us. She... she um, she started writing, and that was kind of therapy for her after um, he passed away. Uh, and you know, he's they they had a struggle with addiction, um, and I want to talk about that today. Addiction, in not the sense of sometimes people that are non-functioning um, alcoholics, and uh, that term alcoholic is so there's a lot of stigma to it. And I want to try to take away some of the stigma and talk about the other kind, like addiction number one, all kinds of addiction, but also functioning alcoholics, because there's a lot of people that are alcoholics that are functioning and are still able to go on with life, which was Mike's case, and how they were able to get to where they were uh, and and. Uh, and not were. So, um, so uh, I think the, um, the other thing I wanted to point out and bring up today, which was super crazy, uh, I, was, I was led this week to reach out to Shannon. Uh, I uh, had somebody else reach out about uh, wanting to do the show with me, and, and I just said, I want Shannon, I want her to tell her story, uh, and reached out. It happens to be today, happens to be um, her 11th, uh, would have been her 11th anniversary, year anniversary with Mike. So um, it is the anniversary of their marriage um, today. So um, we may we may be having some tissues flow in here today. Chances are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she is a very strong woman. I can't, um, I, I, I can see in your posts when I read them, Shannon, and I'm going to have you read one of them uh, to kind of give people an idea where it all started and came from. But there's a strength, a, a strength in her words, and there's pain. There's so much pain uh, in them as well, because I think the one thing I want to say and why I want to do this show today is because when somebody chooses to abuse alcohol, drugs, whatever it may be that that non that makes them in their relationships and their life non-functioning. They may be functioning, they may have a job, you know, and they may have their family still, but if, if it's, it's non-functioning when it affects the others around you. And so I want to ha I want to talk about it today because I want to, I want to show how behaviors and choices affect others. Uh, they always say alcoholism is a family disease, and it is. It really is. And and everybody, everybody around that alcoholic uh, tends their life um, 
revolves around them. The, the All the chaos is around the alcoholic. The alcoholic is just enjoying their life and doing their thing. And everybody else is having to maneuver around them to respond to their chaos and whatever it is that they're, um, whatever they're bringing to Very the well table. Said. Yes. Uh, so uh, I want to say hi to Larry. We have Kelly, Joy, Pam, Marie, um, Brooke. Uh, Brooke, you're from Brooke is here. She says she loves you. So you got lots love of love today. She sent me a sweet gift. Today. Uh, I love it. Well, uh, so, so. Uh, I, I told Shannon, she wrote a beautiful post. I won't read it because I'll cry, but I read it to my nail girl today and literally broke out in tears twice. I had to stop because I was sobbing. Um, so uh, so let's, uh, let's... Who doesn't want to cry? That's a hell of an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, I, um, I, I admire what you've been through. I mean... It, there's so many people that have reached out to me, Shannon, in the last couple of days since I posted about this that have been in this situation, either themselves as being the alcoholic or functioning alcoholic or somebody else in their life. And there's so much pain, you know? I mean, we all know. I've, I've been through it too. So there's a lot of pain associated with it, but um, we're going to get through this. Yes, we are. <laughs> we're going to yes, get through this today. Okay. So, uh, so why don't you, um, why don't you tell the story about, um, about what happened um, the way you want to? Um, so Mike and I, today's our 11 year anniversary, would be our 11 year anniversary. Um, things were, we, Mike and I were always social drinkers and um, always had people over at our house. And so it was, always a reason to drink, right? I mean, there was always five days a week, there was people coming in and out of the, out of the back door. So it just was kind of part of the lifestyle, I suppose. Um, it wasn't until the last really year and a half um, of Mike's life that it really turned a corner and um, just got a little dark. And so as much um, as, much as I was aware of what him being drunk look like, or, you know, what I, I never pictured an alcoholic looking like Mike. And I certainly never considered the idea that you could die from alcoholism. I mean, you hear stories that you would get a liver disease or you, you know, some kind of failure, but it's not something mm -hmm. that he was truly going to die from. Like, I just never looked at it that way. Right. So I'm going to read a post. It kind of gives you um, very basic background. I wrote this at the two-month mark, um, but I'll kind of give you a better idea of where I, where I am coming from. So two months ago, my husband died the day after his 54th birthday. He died from pancreatitis and multi-organ failure. He was an alcoholic. Several people have asked me what they should tell people when they ask how Mike died. My answer is always the truth. I never pictured an alcoholic looking like Mike. I've known several former alcoholics, but rarely seen what alcoholism really looks like live and in color. It isn't a bum sleeping behind a dumpster in an alley. It is someone that looks like you and I, and in this case, a husband, a father, a grandfather, a CEO, a Christ follower, and a friend to, to so many. 2020 was not a great year for any of us. It was especially hard on Mike for many reasons, but it definitely contributed to him drinking more than ever. Our kids and I had all talked to him about it, but he couldn't or maybe just wouldn't come to terms with accepting the fact that he had a problem and he had no power or control over it. Counseling, treatment, books, nothing was able to get his attention enough to make him see the damage it was doing to his body and all of his relationships. When I dropped him off at the hospital Monday morning on his 54th birthday, I thought he was going in to get a COVID test. He died Tuesday night, that fast, that unexpected, It's okay. It's okay. This horrible disease killed him. I lost my best friend, my buddy, the one that I thought I had a lifetime with after dropping him off for a COVID test. Just like that, a day later, I was lying in the hospital bed with his lifeless body, holding his face, wrapping his hands and his arms around me for the last time and telling him I love him and I'm sorry I couldn't save him. I will never hear his boots come around the corner again. I'll never feel his arms around me. My kids no longer have their dad to call and hear him say how proud of them he is or ask how he can pray for them today. 
My grandson won't have memories of Grandpa taking him fishing or teaching him how to clean a gun. He will have lots of memories of me taking him fishing at our favorite spot with our favorite guide, but not Grandpa. Because Grandpa was powerless over alcohol. I write this in hopes that there is one person that will read this and decide to get some help. Go to a meeting, admit that you too are powerless over alcohol, ask for help, anything, but don't continue down this path. The massive hole you leave behind is devastating. You did great. Is that the end? That's the end. Okay. Of that yeah. one. Yeah, of that one. I know there's so many. Um, I, uh, you know, it, 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 that one shows so much the effect that that it had on you immediately and and the actions, his actions and inactions in stopping changed everybody's life. And Forever. where his got to end, you, all of you, it's always the people that are left behind that have to deal with what's left. Oh, the aftermath is yeah. ugly. And uh, I just, we just, Ziggy, could you throw those back up again? that we just, I just had him put those pictures up. That was this, that was their wedding. Um, so that was a surprise. Our surprise wedding. Your yeah. surprise wedding. Um, they had an engagement party. I still can't figure out how you had the dress. How'd you have the dress? Well, I knew it was a wedding. Oh, okay. Nobody else knew oh, got it. it. Oh, all your wedding. friends didn't know. Okay, got it. So we invited everybody to our engagement party and said, before we run off to Turks and Caicos to get married, join us for our engagement. And uh -huh. they showed up and I was wearing a blue, blue gown and um, we live on an airport, so we had a World War II airplane doing a run up outside. And wow. so we got everyone's attention to go outside. And I shifted my dress, and Mike opened the hangar door and said, Welcome to our wedding. And you could hear everybody like gasping, going, Oh my God. Like it was great. That's awesome. It That's was awesome. awesome. Normally it's the, the bride and groom's day, but it was kind of for everybody else. It was for everybody else. It was a lot <laughs> of fun. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, you got a lot of support here. Um, uh, Tamara says, love you. And Pam uh, said, Shannon, my ex-husband was an alcoholic and died of suicide uh, last year. So I completely understand you. You know, there's a lot of people that have been left in the aftermath of, of things from, from alcohol and drug abuse. I've got a friend of mine who lost her daughter to suicide. And a week later, five days later, her husband overdosed and she lost him to an overdose. So she bury two family members, her child and her husband in a week. I can't. And uh, yeah. And, and again, you know, every day she's surviving and that's the consequence, you know, unfortunately that's the consequence. So let's talk about that because I, I almost sound cold when I say that, but, but, you know, when alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, is affecting your life. And this is the part that's so important because so many alcoholics, just like um, I asked Shannon before we started here, we talked about whether Mike knew he was, and she said he didn't admit he had a problem with drinking until he was in the hospital dying. Um, the last day. His last day of his life. Neither one of us knew he was even dying at that point. Yeah. We still just thought, I asked the doctor, when is he coming home? And he said, Friday, Sunday at the latest. This is Tuesday. But I was so angry at him because I've been telling him for almost two years, like, this has got to stop. Yeah. Um, and and he got to where he was starting to break me down. And, and when I say that, it was such a shift because Mike, I was Mike's favorite person on the planet. I mean, he truly... He, his friends would make fun of him because they'd go on an overnight hunting trip. He's going to be gone for like 30 hours. And he would complain his first night saying, my stomach hurts. I miss my wife. Oh, my god. Like gosh. his friends would go, he's the biggest baby. Like he just, <laughs> he adored me. It was amazing. It's awesome. Um, but he, when, when alcohol started to truly take over and looking back, everything's so much more clear than it was when I was in it. Um, I could really see when the shift happened. And um, how many years in was that? We were eight and a half years in. So it was May of 2019 when I really saw the shift. So Mike it was an entrepreneur and had built and sold four companies at the time. He was on his four, fifth company and he just kind of missed the window. Like technology had kind of passed by. And so he wasn't going to sell the fifth company for what he thought he was going to be able to sell it for. And he took it very personal because he had shareholders and mm -hmm. he, he wanted everybody to get a, a big win at the end. And even when I would try to explain to him, you know, 
even Tom Brady, my other husband, he doesn't win every <laughs> my Super other Bowl. husband. He's cheating on me. <laughs> He's been cheating on me since Giselle came along. Uh, but you know, even Tom Brady doesn't win every Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and so you can't win every single time. But he internalized it so much that after the company sold, I just saw. That's when I saw depression sit in. I saw um, anxiety kind of take over, and um, all of our patterns changed and our routines changed and he didn't want to get out of bed. And, mm-hmm. um, it, it just, I, I saw a different side of him and it was scary. I mean, Mike was never, I want to make sure that this is known. He was never physical, right? but his words when he wasn't himself. Right. So I mourn two very different men. Right. I mourn a man who really thought I walked on water right. and who thought I truly hung the moon And then I mourn a man who was so unhappy and, and dying inside and trying to mask it with, with alcohol that I saw a different side of him that the next morning I called him Jekyll and Hyde because the next morning he'd come walking around the corner and go, where's my sugar lover? And like come and wrap his arms around me and pretend that last night didn't happen. Now, sometimes he did remember, but he knew that I have an amazing ability to forget and move on. I'd rather be happy than be right. So I'm going to just put put that aside, not ruin today, and we're going to move forward. And he knew that about me and took advantage of that. And so he would come around the corner and occasionally I would look at him and go, do you remember last night? And he'd go, no. And I'd go, well, let me play you. And he'd go, no, 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 no. Yeah. They don't want to see it. Because he would tell me, he would tell me I didn't do that. And so I started recording him and then I'd go to play it for him and he would get angry. He's like, that's not me, Shannon. That is not me. I go, that's who I go to bed with. So it, it became a very different marriage Mm -hmm. and there was less than a handful of people that I would talk to about it. Um, Brooke, who you mentioned earlier, um, she and her husband are two of our best friends. Mm -hmm. And I didn't go to their birthday parties that year because I didn't want to bring Mike around. Like, I didn't know what version of him people were going to get at that time. He had just changed too much. Right. And so, and I was very protective of him and didn't want anybody to see that. So there was less than a handful of people that really knew what was happening. One of my best friends who's an addiction specialist Megan, um, she would tell me, she told me in May, the year before he died, he died in January. If he doesn't quit drinking, he'll be dead inside of a year. And I thought she was out of her mind. Yeah. You know, um, you've brought up a lot of good points, which I think we need to, to address is, you know, the, it's the codependency part of it where you said I was really good at, you know, forgetting. I was really good at picking my battles and letting things go. And, um, that codependency part of the of with with an addict mm-hmm. is what allows them to continue, and it's not your fault that he kept drinking. It's not, but that's why it's so important. I guess that you know if we're going to talk about this, that we talk to the people that may be living this, because I know there are people that are living with this. Lots of people that are living the, with this, because on top of everything else, COVID did it brought a, it it triggered a lot drinking and a lot of drugs and alcohol abuse at, as well. And um, we can't, we can't cover it up. We can't bury it under a rug. We don't, they but don't want to deal. Everybody yeah. tries to. Yeah. They don't want to deal with it. The alcoholic doesn't want to deal with their behavior and codependents don't want to either. They're perfectly happy. They want to be happy. They want everything to be peaceful and they're willing to shove everything under the rug to keep yeah. that peace. Whereas the the thing that needs to be done is that you de- need to be able to speak up. You need to walk out. You know, I've got, you know, friends on here watching. Um, I won't mention names, but I know that was something that had to be done with a couple of my friends. She had to leave her husband before he would um, straighten up and sober up. And now they've moved forward from there. So that's... Um, sometimes the tough love thing really comes in. And I get it. I mean, you're... You're a wife. You're you made that commitment. We talked about you know divorce wasn't an option, um, but I think so many people don't have tools, um, and I want to make sure that people that are watching understand that just as it is the alcoholic's choice to continue to choose alcohol, it's also the person in their life that can, that chooses to stay, and as long as you 
choose to stay and not do anything about it, you're allowing that behavior to continue. We've all done it. I'm not, you know, it's, and it's, I think it's really important to say, because once you're in it, um, it's, and you've got kids and everything involved, it's really, it's a really hard decision to make that decision, tough love, kick them out, do whatever it takes. It's a hard, hard decision. It's it's easy to look back and say I should have. I know. Yes. Um, and 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 trust me, I've done it. Um, my oldest daughter, she had a baby. Uh, my grandson was born two weeks before Mike died. My never Mike never got to meet him. But Sarah struggled with, um, you know, figuring out, you know, how how do I keep my child around the healthy side of my dad. Yeah. And you know, that's not something that a kid should have to worry about. Yeah. Um, everybody dances around the Everyone behaviors. dances around it. Yeah. And then, so to keep, I told Mike, I was moving out in, um, I believe September and he told me he would go to outpatient. He finally said, okay, I'll do outpatient. Will that keep you here? And so he went three days a week. He had learned how to work the system and of course came home and told me that he didn't have the problem, that everybody else there was the addict. Right. That they were the ones with the real problem. They'd been to jail or they'd been arrested or right. they were doing heroin, but he just drinks. He just drinks. Um, another one of our very good friends, um, her husband actually married us. She is a um, successful, um, she's a partner at a law firm here in town and she's an alcoholic and had invited Mike to a meeting and of course, I'm in pins and needles waiting for him at lunch for when he's leaving the meeting. And he got there and ordered a cocktail right after an AA meeting, slammed the cocktail as fast as I've ever seen him drink, and proceeded to tell me how he didn't have a problem. They did. Right. And it's there's, there's some of his friends that have come back and said, like one of them kind of cut everything off and said, I'm going to give you tough love and not be around you. And so Mike quit calling. Yeah. Then there was someone else who said, I feel like I enabled him. I, yeah. I drank with him. And so did I. Yeah. And when he, I mean, he died from his fourth bout with pancreatitis. Yeah. After the first two times, um, he had convinced himself that it was gallstones. Right. And so he got his gallbladder out. And denial. Third time, yeah. oh, denial's huge. Yeah. And they can, they can give you a reason for everything. Yeah, that's the hard thing. I think that's the part where, um, number one, full-on alcoholics can be in denial too, even though they know there's a problem. But there's, uh, there's the functional alcoholic that's a little bit different because they, like I was talking about earlier, they still have their job. Yep. They still have their family. They're, they are still functioning. So they justify drinking that it's not ruined their life. They're not sitting in a pit. They're not in jail. You know, um, they may have gotten DUIs, you know, they may have had consequences like with, you know, behaviors like he, like you guys did, but they see, and the, the stigma on alcoholism is so bad that we tend to see people that aren't functioning or falling down, that are right. slurring their words, that can't function in life, that are sitting on a street corner with a bottle in their hand. Um, and that's not what the the type of not what all types of alcoholics look like no if you go to an aa meeting it's ceos it's cfos it's presidents of companies yes it's these are people that they're very well to do and they're going home and they have all ages mm -hmm. of kids running around their house and they have spouses at home and they're hiding it from their spouse. I have a friend who um, said she bought a Tesla because it could drive her home if she needed it to. Yeah. I mean, like they, they'll come up with reasons. Right. Um, and they will continue to make excuses until there's no more excuses to be made. I will tell you, looking back, and I don't know that I've ever, ever actually said this out loud, um, I should have left. Yeah. Um, my, my beliefs, I, I said this before we started, is that, you know, Quitting seems to be just the go-to answer with marriages these days. And to me, it, marriage is so much more than just a contract with the state. It is a covenant with God, and, and it's through sickness and health. And so Mike was sick, and I was going to stay. But looking back, I think that in order for, for Mike to truly have like had someone get his attention, it would have taken him being completely alone yeah. and losing the thing that he loved the most the thing in he the loved world. The most. Yeah. 
You know, um, hindsight's twenty twenty, and at the end of the end of the day, you can't control somebody else's behavior. They have to choose it themselves. They have to see it. They have to choose it. And and unfortunately, Mike chose in, to acknowledge it too late because he knew clearly, yeah. um, but he chose to acknowledge it too late. And and I, I guess you know, at the end of the day, I thought this, you telling your story today would help somebody else, you know, whether it's somebody that's sitting there and knowing drinking too much, you know, or drugs or whatever it may be to where it's affecting their life and their relationships. Right. I mean, plenty of these alcoholics don't even have hangovers. Like it's astounding how they don't even have hangovers. No, they like, get up and the next day continues just like totally any normal fine. day. Yeah. And you know, then you hear other people in their life encouraging that. Um, a, I was with a guy for a long time and um, um, it, it, I thought I'd be with him forever, to be honest, but he started having a problem with alcohol as well. And, um, he, he, same thing turned Jekyll and Hyde had two sides. Everybody saw this, you know, and he is, he's one of the most loving, kind humans that exist until he gets too much alcohol in him. And then he becomes a different person mm -hmm. and nobody saw that, but me, nobody saw it, but me, he has friends. That's the, that's the hard part too, is He's got friends that enable him, that know that he drinks too much, know that he was out drinking and driving to where he couldn't. He'll still leave bars where he can't speak, and he gets in the car and drives. Wow. And he's had multiple DUIs at this point, but yet everybody everybody in his life enables him by allowing it. And I, I guess I, I want to say to people that might be doing that, whether it's a friend or a loved one, if you don't put your foot down, if you really love that person and care about them, you need to say something and you need to do something. You can't, I mean, just, just because it's convenient for you to go have fun and drink with them and they're the life of the party and pay right. the bill, you know, the, oh, yeah. the bar tab, it doesn't mean that, you know, that, that that's okay to allow that behavior for your own convenience. Jennifer, and, you have to also consider, and this was brought to my attention after I was talk, talking about Mike's story. Mm -hmm. um, again, someone else who is a former alcoholic and he's in the Hollywood world and he said, Shannon, you have to look at it. Every baby shower, alcohol. Yeah. Weddings, alcohol. Birthday parties, alcohol. Super Bowls, alcohol. Everything we do, yeah. any kind of event is surrounded with drinking. So, but then alcoholism is the only disease that tells you you don't have a disease. So you don't, you make excuses for everything. Everything's normal. You're just socially doing it, right? But then it, it very quickly can take a turn. Yeah. And Very the effects quickly. it has on your body. Absolutely. Yeah. And Mike had signs. Not everybody does. I've so I can stories. look now at, I can look at pictures. Like I can be scrolling through Facebook and see a picture of someone and say he's an alcoholic. Right. Now I can look at his face. My girlfriend used to say, I can tell by looking at someone and I'm like, you're out of your mind. Yeah. And now I can look at it based off what I saw and witnessed with Mike. Yeah. So I, when I started writing and telling the story, um, I don't know that. I'm fairly certain my kids were not happy with me. Um, every kid wants to think that their dad's Superman, right? And Mike, for all intents and purposes, was our he Superman. Was. Yeah. And he was never, even when the doctors came and told me they'd been working on him for 35 minutes, I go, I don't care. Do not stop. He's so strong. And so I think that um, we forget that even Superman has his kryptonite. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that... Um, it's important for us to... Now, let me also say, I still drink. Um, I am just very aware of what I'm drinking now. Right. Um, like, there's there's counting. I don't let anybody else pour my cocktails anymore. Yeah. I know exactly what I've had. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I... When I started writing, I really started writing because I, I never want anybody to have to experience the pain that my family's gone through. Yeah, I wouldn't wish through. this on anyone. Yeah. No, my, my youngest daughter told me today that she has dreams that she's killing Mike in her dreams. Yeah. And it's, there's a lot. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot behind. of pain. Yeah. There's a lot of trauma. There's, it doesn't matter how much therapy or yoga or Pilates or walking I do every single day. There is pain that follows me everywhere. Yeah. And, and the hard part of that is there's so much that you push um, beneath as you're going through that, because it was painful when you were going through it with him Absolutely. when he was still here, but you push it away. And so there's many, 
there's a there's many years of hurt to come, unfortunately, and painful moments. But we can we at this point can learn from it Absolutely. and be better. And I, I do want to uh, I do want to make sure I say something um, because I, that I may have said before because I keep talking about choice that you know the alcoholic chooses to drink and an an alcoholic that admits they're alcoholic will tell you that they don't choose it. They have no power over their choice. And, um, and for those of us that aren't alcoholics, we don't understand that because we can choose to have a drink or not have a drink right. where it's different for an alcoholic because they need it. And it's, it's just a different, it's different. And it's hard for people like myself. I will say that it's hard for me to understand where somebody comes from. Just stop. You know, that's my, just stop. Don't do it anymore. But somebody that's an alcoholic, they can't without help. They can't. They can't without help. Or they can as long as they're in denial. Um, hi, Cindy. If any of you have any questions for Shannon, um, let us know. Or if any of you have any experiences uh, in this, let us know as well that you want to. You would like to share. I, uh, I saw something the other day that I wanted to uh, read. Um, you don't just treat addiction. You treat anxiety, depression, PTSD, loneliness, rage, despair, toxic secrets, um, regret, undiagnosed head trauma, uh, untreated ADHD. ADHD. Um, alcoholism is bigger than... It, it is hereditary, of course. Uh, and it also it's also used to cover up things. Oh, for sure. And, and, pa and pain. Sometimes, I mean, of course, sometimes it's mental illness, um, but sometimes it's just depression or pain. And that's that. And so we need to, we need to at least recognize in, for people out there that might be struggling with it to say, you know, it, it's sometimes natural to look when you're, when you're in pain, to look for something to, you know, to get rid of the pain. I mean, if I have a headache, I'll do anything not to take an ibuprofen. I'll do anything not to take an aspirin, but I will if it's very that bad, bad, right? Um, and and I think for the alcoholic, it's no different. When they they feel pain, they have unresolved issues, uh, and um, and toxicity and and wounds, and that's how they've learned to. Cope. That's how they've learned to cope. Yeah. So uh, I've learned through therapy. I've been in therapy for quite a bit of my life, but I um, doubled up on it after Mike passed away and learned that you can't process through your pain without sitting in the pain. Yeah. And that means without alcohol and that means without drugs. And that means you literally sit and you feel the pain and you have to process through that in order to move forward and become healthier and a better version of yourself. And so I am so grateful for Mike. Mike showed me, um, Mike showed me love that most people will never get to experience in their life. Yeah. And I really did have a beautiful love story. But he also left me with a story that if I just stayed quiet and didn't take the opportunity to possibly help one more wife or mm -hmm. husband or child to not have to go through this, I feel like I would have failed him. Right. And so I know that he's he's looking down and he he would want me to share his story. He would want me to help as many people as we possibly could. Right. To not have to suffer through the same pain. No one wants to sit in this kind of pain. Right. And it and you know it's it's such a great point that you brought up because uh, because you were talking about the very beginning how you would you know he, you didn't you guys would be hurt after a fight uh, and you would be hurt, you know, emotionally hurt, but yet you would let it you would let it go so there wasn't a fight or there was peace to create peace. And, and, and everybody's got their own responses to trauma. And that's, that's how people end up in toxic cycles and toxic relationships because we're, we don't want to, like, it could be because you didn't want to feel because it could be a childhood wound of yours, sure. you know, that feeling for you when you, when you allowed yourself to feel it was painful. So you taught yourself how to not and how to bury things. And that could very well be where it comes from. It could come from years of, you know, as you're into a relationship like that, you start seeing the consequences of what happens when you say something. Right. Or when when you stand up for yourself um, and how that feels, then you want to bury it. But regardless, it always comes down to a giant wound that is left in somebody that has been whether 
whether they're alive or not, um, that has been in a relationship with somebody that is an addict, uh, all the behaviors in their life change. Like you said, it's, is he in a good mood today? Is he drinking too much? Can we bring people around? You know, is it safe to bring the kids around? You know, can I talk to him? Uh, should I tell him that he acted bad? You know, it's just, it, you know, it, even like you said, even going to the, to the lengths of videotaping him because he didn't believe, right. you know, and you being then on the defense, like in this place where you have to go, I have to show you and prove to you now what you did. And all this dancing around somebody's behavior is not healthy and oh, years God, no. of doing it is not healthy. No. And, and, and again, though, Shannon, I'm not saying you did anything wrong. So many people live it. I mean, I did it for a while, you know, very short period of time, but I did it. Um, and um, I, I wasn't married, though. I didn't have kids, you know? I mean, it was a totally different situation. I, I left because it was the right thing to do for me, um, and it was the right thing to do for him, and, um, and it didn't affect all, everybody. But ultimately, um, here's, here's what can happen. Um, here's what can happen when you don't do something, is that they're left to their own avail, and at the end of the day, it's... God's will, right? Yes, for sure. Uh, you know, I really, um, I really want Shannon to read today's post um, today. What you wrote today for your for your I marriage? I don't have internet here. I don't know if I can find it. Um, Give me a second. Hang on, just a second. And then I wanted to, um, I wanted to read a couple comments. So Cindy said, "So difficult to be with an alcoholic." Was married to one for twenty four years. Um, at 24. I was married to one at 24. I don't know how long you stayed in it, but uh, uh, Linda, let me help if I put these on. Oh God, I can see. Uh, Linda, <laughs> curious as to if you ever attend any, uh, if you attended any Al-Anon meetings. Did you attend Al-Anon? I did not attend Al-Anon. I, um, I did attend an AA meeting. It was incredibly emotional for me because I knew firsthand how, how hard um, these people were working to stay sober. Um, I didn't, want to surround myself with other people hearing the same story um, over and over. But um, as far as therapy, yes, I'm in therapy twice a week. I do one, one hour with my regular therapist, and then I do an hour with um, a therapist that does EMDR, which is trauma work once yeah. a week. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's a, that EMDR is great, by the way. Um, it's good for a lot of things with uh, changing... Um, the nerves. Um, Laura says you are strong, Shannon. She is. She's amazing. Uh, Pam says it's like walking on eggshells and never knowing when one will crack. And that is oh, for sure. the honest to God truth. And Cindy says she stayed in for seven years. You know, I know my breaking point. It was, I didn't stay long. Um, I, once I lived with it, cause we were together a long time and then I moved in with him. And then it was like, then I saw it night and day. And I think it magnified, um, by us being together and him having to be accountable to me and not be able to do all the things that he normally could do because I was there, which was probably drink. <laughs> Mike was really good at shiny things. So yeah. if I was mad about this, let's go to Aspen. Let's yeah. go do this. Let's just get out of town. We need a break. Let's, you know, X, Y, Z. And that's, distraction, oh, distraction was huge. Well, that's, that's because it was, it was um, denial Oh yeah, and they find denial partners. So you know when when hearing they, a counselor tell me that I was codependent at the end, like my mouth dropped, and I'm like, okay, I knew, but I didn't want to know. <laughs> I didn't want confirmation of yeah. this. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. I, you know, everybody's codependent to a certain point, and I know that that can be such a stigma. I mean, there's probably not anybody um, if you think that you have any type of codependency at all, even a little bit. Um, Read Codependent No More, Melanie Beatty, best book ever written on codependency, in my opinion. Um, I got a little bit of it from my mom. My mom was, we, we had no alcohol in our home, so there was no alcoholism. But my mom was, was from that generation of being very doting and very yes, 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 yes. And I was a pleaser, you know, just like my mom was a pleaser. I, I became a pleaser. So when you're a pleaser and you want things to be happy and you want things to be good. You do whatever they yeah, want. Yeah, you do yep. whatever it takes. Um, and, um, but, but I, um, I remember the night that I made my decision. I remember him coming home, which I'm sure you kind of have these memories too, but I remember him coming home with one of his friends and he was just totally smashed. Like he could barely speak. And I heard noises downstairs. I'm sure they were making more drinks. And, um, 
and he made some, I don't remember even the comments he made. They were just so ugly and he was not an ugly person, but they were so ugly. And then he turned over, my little kitty cat was sitting there like kind of waiting for him to give him some love. And he said something really nasty to my cat. Like, ah, like I just, yeah. he lashed out at something like defenseless as we all were in these people's lives that, that have this disease. And that was that moment where I said, I don't, this, I don't belong here. Like, this is not my space. You know, it's not, I, I'm happy. I love to have peace in my life. And my peace is being taken away by his unhappiness or whatever this is. And, and I, um, I left. You know, for, for me, and I hear what you're saying um, 100%. For me, the hard part, the part that complicated even more was he wasn't just my husband. He was truly my best friend and my buddy. We did everything together. I went to the dentist with him. Mm -hmm. I would lay between his legs while he's got his teeth cleaned and work on my phone. I mean, like <laughs> we, it was ridiculous yeah. how much time we were together. Yeah. Um, I found my letter though. I'll read this, but something to keep in mind. Um, if you are in a relationship with an alcoholic, you're not doing them favors by enabling them. Absolutely. And I know it makes it easier um, to keep the peace with them. But ultimately, and to keep your life together. Ultimately, I will tell you um, that last day, Tuesday, when I was allowed to go up to the hospital, I still thought Mike was going to come home. Um, but I was really angry because it was, he had told me the day before, it's not COVID, it's pancreatitis again. And of course, you know, I pop off with, you know, do you believe me now? Do you believe that you have a problem? Yeah. And he, um, so that day, he was starting to um, have hallucinations in the hospital. And um, he wasn't making a whole lot of sense. And I looked at him and I said, do you know where you are? And he said, I'm, I'm at Baylor McKinney. And I go, do you know why you're here? And he goes, I drink too much. And tears just, it was like a release for me yeah. that I was finally validated almost yeah. that I've been saying this and preaching this every single day for how many years now? And now look at you and the condition that you're in. And this is when you're going to admit it. it was too late. I didn't know it was too late. I, I yeah. actually, when I went home that night, I told the nurse, um, it had been an awful, very emotional afternoon because he was not doing well. Um, and his levels and his numbers were going the wrong direction. Again, ignorant me had no idea that this could really go, that death could absolutely, you know, actually happen. But it was like 7.45, 7.35 that night on Tuesday. And I looked at the nurse and I said, I need to go let my dog out and I'm going to get clothes and come back. And she said, you're going to be doing the same thing with him tomorrow. It's going to be very emotional. Go home and get some sleep. And two hours later, I got a call and the, the nurse said, um, Mrs. Shell, your husband's coded. There's a, a tube down his throat and we're trying to resuscitate him. You need to get here as soon as possible. And I didn't believe him. I go, What? And they repeated the same thing over again. So I got in the car and 10 minutes later, I'm running in the hospital and uh, they're doing all this COVID protocol with bracelets and temperatures. And when I told them where I was going, they said, run. And so I got to the elevator. There was a policeman there holding the elevator open so I could go up. I got off the elevator. There was a doctor there standing asking me if I believed in God. And I said, of course. And he said, you need to pray. And I came around the corner and saw three doctors or nurses. I can't tell the difference. Um, working on my husband and 12 people in scrubs standing around the room watching them work on him. Um, it was extremely traumatic. Um, I grabbed onto his arm and dropped to my knees crying, please don't take my husband. Um, and, and ultimately lost him that night. And I know that there are with the holidays coming, that there are going to be wives that are locked out of the room or kicked out of the house or um, called names that they should never be called, and it's preventable. And husbands. And, and, husbands, and husbands as well. Yeah, it's not just women. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. No, and I'm sure it was, was not, it was painful to tell that story, but I, you know, this can happen. You and know, it happens to the people you never expect You never it. expect it to, yeah. You know, um, I will say that there's something, um, Mike gave you a gift that day, that mm. the, when he told you, when he admitted to you that he was an alcoholic, I mean, he at least gave you that gift 
because there would be a lot more to think about and do and be angry about if he hadn't told you that he knew. He knew. That he knew. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Well, I know that sure. sounds crazy. No, but totally for it's sure. In the, in the small things, he gave you that gift. And in that gift, um, maybe it gave him the freedom to do what he, you know. You know, I, I, looking back, I can, I can see that Mike was really tired. Yeah. And, you know, for, for non-believers, they think that this is the best that life ever gets. But for believers, this is the worst life ever gets because eternity is going to be incredible, right? And yeah. I think Mike was just ready to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, um, it, there is a path of self-destruction for sure in, in some of these journeys. Um, you know, uh, v, had, v had said, I dated a functioning alcoholic. He hit it until we were at a party and he asked me to get his 15th drink and I handed him a bottle of water. He threw it at my face and yelled at me for not doing as I asked. I walked away because it's the behavior I recognized as being just like my functioning alcoholic uncle who died of alcoholism. Tough to walk away from someone special, but I loved myself more. Good for her. Good for you. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, and again, we're going into the holiday season and, and I just, I can't thank you enough for being here uh, and, and, um, and telling your story because there's so much information out there. Do you, um, do you have a source that you would recommend, uh, for people to go to, um, if they're, if they have, think they have a problem or want to talk to somebody Um, or if they're a victim of... I don't know that I can give it out because her phone would ring off the hook and she'd probably kill me. Um, I have, if they wanted to message me, I could send them to a, a few different people. Okay. Um, right. One is an addiction specialist who uh-huh. works with the actual addict. Okay. Um, her husband works with the family of the addicts. Are they local in Dallas? They are local to Dallas. Okay. That's great. Yep. Good to know. Um, and, uh, and I, all I can say is, you know, if, if you are, if you are in the life of an alcoholic and they won't seek help, you can seek help. You know, there are Al-Anon meetings and there that's, it's real. You know, that's, that's the kind of support you need to reach out to because it will make you feel not alone. You For know, sure. I mean, so many people that are in, in these relationships, it's a secret. Nobody knows that other side. They don't want anybody to know what they're going through. As it's you shameful. Said, it's it is, and it but it's not. There's so many people going through it and living through it. So, uh, just try to look up a local Al-Anon meeting and go to one. Just go to one to start off with and see if that if it makes sense to you and if it's it's the right place for you. It's at least a place to start. And it's then, also very eye-opening to go to an AA meeting yeah. and listen to other addicts and their struggles and what they are going through just to get through one day without a drink, yeah. it gives you a much bigger and better appreciation for, right. for what that struggle looks like. And if you don't mind, before we before we de- end, I do want to read my letter to Mike that I wrote today, today. for our anniversary. You go right ahead. I'm just um, probably going to ball my eyes out over here. So no, don't ball your eyes out. I'm, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna make it through this one. Okay. Um, okay. So. I have shared Mike's struggles, but I also wanted to end with talking about how amazing my husband was. Um, Okay. Today would be my 11th wedding anniversary. Today I would have received a big, beautiful flower arrangement with a note that would say, please never stop bothering me. I have already opened my gift probably a few days ago as Mike couldn't hold a surprise to save his life. We would probably be eating an IPIC for lunch and watching a movie after that and then dinner somewhere. As much... As it is uh, wonderful to celebrate the anniversary in marriages, for the majority of our marriage, we celebrated every day. We never questioned our love for each other. We told each other, I love you, multiple times a day. Even when times were bad, there was never a question of our love. Mike was special, and there was no doubt about it. When I was sick, he would either blow dry my hair for me, or he would more often make me an appointment at Dry Bar to have a professional blow my hair out. If I was down about something, he would either dance for me, sing to me, talk to me in the most absurd child voice just to get a smile. When my mom was going through her divorce, he made sure that we took her on every trip with us just to remind her that life goes on. He loved Kylie as his own from the very beginning. He knew how much I loved Christmas, so no matter how early I wanted to decorate the house, he just watched me and told me that I was the best Christmas decorator he'd ever seen. When I was struggling with Kylie in her teen years, as moms and daughters do, He took the lead with her and made life easier. Mike was one of the most dynamic people I'd ever met. I love that I was able to call him mine for almost 13 years. 
Today, I will buy myself some flowers. Luckily, my sister did it for me. <laughs> I may still go to IPIC for lunch. I bought myself a Santa Claus this year, so I will consider that my gift. I'm meeting a friend tonight for, the change of, for a change of scenery, and I'm sure that we will reminisce about the memories we've had over the years. 11 years ago, Mike and I invited everyone over for our engagement party, in order, and, uh, but to their surprise, it was our wedding. We transformed the hangar into a ballroom complete with a stage, a dance floor, and walls covered in twinkly lights. I'm still honored that he chose me. Today, I'm going to be okay. It's not ideal, but I am healthy and loved, and I'm continuing to get stronger every single day. Yesterday, I got a text message from my friend Ashley. She shared with me that she had a dream that we were at the airport running late for our flight. Out of nowhere, Mike was standing next to her and said, tell Shan I love her. I cried for a couple of hours after that, but I'm grateful that even in his absence, he's still sending me messages, even if through other people to remind me that I'm loved. Death doesn't stop love. In fact, it shows the great depths of it. Happy anniversary, Mikey. Thank you for continuing to love me all the way from church. <laughs> That's what my nieces, my four and six-year-old nieces call heaven. They call it church. He's at church. Yeah, he's at church. Is Mikey still at church? I'm bummed I didn't know Mike. Me too. He was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. sounds like he was. Well, I, uh, you know what, no um, no death in vain. So, you know, it, we, we can use it like as you did today. So thank you so much for telling your story on your anniversary. Yeah, thanks it's for having perfect. me. Perfect. Um, but hopefully it will, it will save a life, whether it's a life of somebody who needs to recover and stop drinking or doing whatever they're doing. Uh, whatever destruction they're doing in their life, um, or the person on the receiving end uh, that is also hurting uh, from being in a relationship like that and, and families that are affected as well. Uh, again, I can't recommend so many of my clients. I, uh, I recommend the book Codependent No More, Melanie Beatty. Um, great place to start. Um, if you see yourself in any of that, um, it's it, it, it at least is a is a starting point where you something you can do on your own. Um, for ladies out there, there's another book. It's a really old one, um, but there's a lot of stories. It's called Women Who Love Too Much. Um, Robin Norwood is the author of that, and it tells stories of codependency with women and relationships and marriage. And uh, you may see yourself in one of those stories as well. It's a really good old book, but uh, oldie but goodie. Uh, you know what, everyone, thank you for being here today. I know a lot of your lives have been touched by some stories uh, similar, uh, of course, never the same. And Shannon, I'm so sorry for your loss. You, um, I cannot thank you enough, though, for writing um, writing mm -hmm. your story and writing your, you know, your, in your journal uh, on Facebook for, for the world to see. Because at the end of the day, um, if somebody is in a relationship and, and they are, you know, drinking too much or doing something toxic, if it is affecting somebody you love, if somebody in your life is telling you that alcohol or something is affecting them, and other people in your life, please do something about it because you never know, you never know how it's going to end and you never know what it's going to do. You may leave and be out of pain, but then you've left a gaping hole behind. It, right. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. This is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Every single week we'll have new information. And if you'd like to find out more information or if you have any questions, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on Facebook at my personal page, Jennifer Stiers.